Well, good morning, everyone. Big hello to all those that are in the room and to everyone that's watching online as well. Great to have you with us this morning. Can't wait for those that are online to be in person with us in this room as well too. Now, a week ago, a little over a week ago, I experienced what one might call the extreme ends in ministry. Uh, in the morning, I found myself with Pastor Brock at Eagle Hawk officiating over a very sad situation over a memorial service for a young woman in our church at our Eagle Hawk campus, Beth Cameron, who had uh, tragically died uh, just due to cancer. And uh, I was there. And within the space of a few short hours, I found myself out beside a kind of a, a bushy creek out in the Sedgwick Forest doing a wedding for a young couple who were spontaneously bringing their wedding forwards. Two extremes in one day, standing over a gravesite and then officiating over a couple who were tying the knot and they were launching off into marriage together. Uh, you know what? If you're going to finish the day, you want to finish on that note, don't you? And uh, that certainly was a highlight. But as I drove away from that moment and as I was just kind of reflecting on all that had transpired in my day, the lives of two couples, one couple that had been married together uh, and enjoyed 12 years of marriage despite having to navigate their way through some of the twists and turns of what you would call some of the greatest challenges that anyone could ever face in life, to uh, a couple that were just starry-eyed, about to launch off, just a little clueless, uh, but so much in love and with their future all in front of them. And as I drove away, it got me just thinking a little bit more deeply after being married for 27 years and having done a whole bunch of weddings myself in terms of officiating in them. You know, what makes a dynamic duo? What makes for a kind of a happy, harmonious, healthy, successful marriage relationship that goes the distance? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Uh, in terms of, you know, the day and or the culture in which we left. You know, what makes for a good, healthy, successful marriage? You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started this brand new series called Created for Relationship. And we dipped into it in the first two weeks by exploring uh, from a biblical point, uh, you know, who is this God that we worship and how does being in relationship with him then impact our lives for the better? And I think the last two weeks has been really crucial for us in terms of our teaching because it's reminded us that, you know, as a child of God, our identity is not something that we try to achieve. It's something that we have received. It's been given to us by God. That's who we are. And so we have a whole bunch of stuff in our lives that just sets us up from the very beginning when we think about who we are in Christ. Last week, uh, Pastor Brock kind of challenged us, inspired us to keep bringing the best person uh, or the best version of ourselves, uh, the best person of ourselves uh, with this identity that we received to the, to the glory of God into every situation, to every relationship. You know, uh, it's with that in mind that we now kind of come back to, we've talked about a, a vertical setting, but we come now to talk about the horizontal relationships that we all find ourselves in. Uh, whether today, whether you are a single person, whether you're a married person, whether you are kind of doing the dating thing, or whether it's just all the other relationships that we find ourselves in, when we bring the best version of who we are, that sets us up to thrive in those relationships. And so it's with that in mind that we kind of leave that, but we now dip into some of these various relationships that we find ourselves in. And today I get to talk about marriage. Now, hang on, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, hang on, no, no, I'm not a married person, or you're online, you're thinking, no, I'm single, or I'm divorced, or do you know what? We're going to get an opportunity to talk into some of these different things, but today, I want to talk about marriage. 
You know, how are marriages doing in this country? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? You know, we might have some anecdotal evidence that says, well, I think they're doing okay, or I'm not sure they're doing okay. You know, what kind, how well are Australian marriages doing? Well, let me just uh, give you some information just to kind of set up where we're going today as we talk about marriage. The reality is, uh, from 1970 to 2017, okay, there's the, the, the time frame I'm going to give you right now. Uh, the number of marriages that were registered in 1970 was less than what it was in 2017. In 1970, so our population... Uh, half the population, 1970, our population was about 12 million people. Today, it's about 25 or 26 million people. In 1970, there were roughly 117,000 marriages that were registered in this country. Track on another 40-odd years, and you get to 2017, and there was only 112,000 marriages that were registered in this country. How could that be? A population has doubled since that period of time. How could there be a decrease? Well, what that tells me is that less and less people are choosing to get married. And with one in three Australian marriages today ending in divorce, that is a statistic. That is, that is a true statistic. Is there any wonder that in this country that more and more people are now choosing to live or just hook up and live with somebody else and not get married? On the screens, there's going to be an image there for you to see and just kind of ponder some of that for just a moment. But I don't know about you, but as a parent, when I see that, that just scares me. Because what that tells me is that the, the, the all-pervading culture of today says, hey, don't choose marriage. Uh, you know, people, marriages just kind of break down and they don't go anywhere, they're not good. So don't choose marriage, just kind of live together. And that is becoming the norm for our young people as they're growing up. Marriage is being kind of watered down. Now, what do you do in all of that? You know, what, what makes for a healthy, successful marriage? You know, uh, my goal today is not to beat up on anybody in particular. You know, and my intent is not to kind of talk about uh, uh, all the other different relationships that we might find ourselves in today. You know, I'm not here to have a go at anybody who has been married and is not married anymore. Or, uh, you know, that is not my intent. That's maybe, uh, there's a whole bunch of other conversations we can have. Today I want to talk about what makes for a healthy, successful marriage. What helps a couple to become a dynamic duo. If you're here in this room or you're watching online, and you're single, don't tune out on me now and think, you know what, this is not for me today. This message is just as much for you today because if you are young, you need to know what it takes to have a healthy, successful marriage. Uh, if you are here and you are someone who was once married but you're not married anymore, you still need to hear this as well too. If you're an older person, you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent, you need to be hearing the same thing because you are the champion of those that are coming behind you in terms of what does it take for those to have healthy, successful, dynamic, harmonious relationships Relationships, what does it take? That's where we're going to go today. Hey, why don't I just pray for a moment? Father, I want to just thank you, God, for your words. I want to thank you for the opportunity to kind of speak into all of this today. And I realize that this is going to hit people in different ways. And so, God, I ask that your word says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to all of us in the way in which you need to speak to us today. God, we open up ourselves for that today, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You know, one of the challenges in speaking a message like this is that for, this is not just about cold, hard statistics. All of us, and I think that's a, that's a fair statement to make, it's a generalization, but all of us here or online have been impacted in some way uh, when we talk about marriage. Whether that's somebody that you know that's been close to you, whose marriage has broken down and your heart's just grieved by, by some of the outworking and the, and the implications of how that's all fallen out. Or whether it's uh, other connections around you, all of us have had, in some way, we have been impacted by those who have struggled or maybe failed in their marriages. And I've often stood with couples either in their preparation for marriage or at a wedding, and I've said, now you do know that a good, healthy marriage does not just happen with a quick I do and then a lavish party. It's actually going to take a whole bunch of hard work, and you know, if you're kind of new into all of that, you're just kind of a little glossy-eyed, and you oh yeah, yeah, we, we, we realize all that. But one of the challenges, I think, for us in any conversation about this is that our culture is so incredibly hostile towards marriage. You know, over the past few years, it's not only been undermining it, but it's been seeking to redefine what marriage is all about. And so if we're going to succeed in our marriages, then we can't look to popular culture. Popular culture says it's all about me or what I want. And if things aren't going well for me and it's about my happiness, then all I need to do is I just look for somewhere else for my happiness and I just kind of move in that direction. Popular culture is not going to help us to have healthy, God-honoring, biblical, successful, harmonious, happy, uh, dynamic relationships today. We have to look elsewhere. We have to look, well, what does God say? That's the only credible source. Now, I've been married for 27 years. And I'll be the first to say that I don't have a perfect marriage. I've got a perfect wife, but I don't necessarily have a perfect marriage because I'm not perfect. But I do remember that day when those doors opened and there was my bride who was walking towards me. And I just thought, whew, she is smoking hot. And I'm thinking, I'm getting to marry this particular person. Now, I didn't say this to her at this point in time, but I thought, you know what? I am punching well above my weight in this relationship. (laughs) This is pretty cool. And I probably still am punching above my weight, to be honest. But you know what? In that moment, you know what? We were just giddy in love. We were excited. We're only 24. Uh, And we were giddy. We were in love. We're excited about the future. And we had no clue what it took to build a healthy, successful marriage relationship. That's, if we're being honest, I mean, we had two families that were together who loved one another, and so we had a foundation in that sense. But in terms of us really understanding what does it take to go the distance, that when you say, I do, I'm going to do it, and you're going to go the distance, what does that take? Do you know, over the next, well, over the last 27 years, we've been working on what I think are some key core qualities. I'm not the first person to discover that, but I want to talk about these three with you today. It's not an exhaustive list because I think there's a whole bunch of others. And if I really wanted to have a fair run at it, you'd be still here an hour later talking about some of the key qualities, the key ingredients that make for a dynamic couple or a a relationship that goes the distance, a couple that sticks together through all the twists and turns of life. And I get it. Some of us are here today and we're struggling in our marriage. And we're trying to do everything that we possibly can. Again, I want to encourage us to keep hanging on and holding on and keep listening. What is God wanting to say to me today? 
as I think about either getting married or I am married, God, what are you saying to me today? Three qualities. I'm going to name them and then I'm going to work my way through them just fairly quickly this morning. Uh, And then I want to come back and I want to speak to those that are single and and give some application for those of you that are single. But then I want to kind of wrap it all up by speaking to those that are married. That's where we're going. But here's the three qualities. It's faithfulness. It's honor. And it's patience. Now, you can add a whole bunch more into that. I realize that. But for the sake of time, faithfulness, honor, and patience. Let's start with, let's start with faithfulness. July the 18th, 1994, Julie and I promised to be faithful to each other for the rest of our earthly lives. Now, when we uttered the words, I do, what we were saying in that moment and what plenty of other couples have said since that period of time or before is that we were intending to live faithfully together in plenty, in sorrow, and in joy, in sickness, and in health until death do us part. We were taking our vow of faithfulness seriously. In that moment, I was promising to my wife that I was going to be a one-woman man. And she was promising to me that she was going to be a one-man woman. Now, the Bible has so much to say about our human sexuality and the way in which it ought to be expressed. And I think when it comes to marriage, I probably just need to say a couple of things about that today. See, the Bible affirms it to be a lifelong, uh, faithful union between one man and one woman to the exclusion of all others. That's what the Bible says. It's not what I say. It's what God says a marriage should look like. In the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, God said these words, which are so incredibly powerful. He said, verse 18, he said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I love that. Adam was already in relationship with God, but God realized there was something that was missing for Adam in his humanity and said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Anyone out there who wants to tell me there's not a God who loves and cares about his creation? Do you see it right there? Verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Verse 24, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. You kind of roll past that period of time suddenly now to the day of Jesus and he's in this dialogue with uh, some people who are questioning him about divorce. And it's in the course of this conversation that Jesus then upholds this biblical account of creation between one man and one woman. He goes on to say these words. He says in Matthew 19, verse 6, Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. I want to say today that the Word of God says it very clear that marriage was his gift to us, and it's always been his intention since the beginning of time that couples would, be, would, would faithfully stick together that's been god's intention now i realize we live in a broken world and stuff happens and i acknowledge all of that but what i'm upholding is the fact that what does god's word say marriage was meant to look like and this was what it was meant to look like part of the challenge for us today in our marriage relationships is that we live in this instant world where uh we've got a society where we just kind of push towards quick fixes 
And in a world where we just kind of discard stuff, and if you haven't worked that out by now, all of our white goods don't last probably on four or five years, and we just kind of throw them away and we get some more. Well, the same is often true now in our relationships. They're just, just, they're just quickly discarded if they don't measure up to our expectations. But God's Word tells us over and over again that faithful, enduring faithful relationships take work. They take a lot of work over a long period of time. You know, into all of our marriage relationships, you know, what's interesting is that we bring family of origin. You know, when I married Julie, I brought my family, as good as it was, into her family, and we were creating a family unit that had the mixture of her family and my family and all of that, and there's no perfect family. We're all kind of growing and maturing as best as we can, even in light of what's been poured into our lives by our families or by our, our two families. We had great families. Other, other families don't necessarily have some of that great foundation. But when we come into a marriage relationship, we all bring our own stuff. And sometimes we bring past hurts, we bring baggage, we bring stuff that just inherently is a part of who we are. And, and that's what ends up in this new marriage relationship that we have. And these things can cause significant issues. But when that happens, I want to say that it's our faithfulness and it's our loyalty to each other that will determine then where that relationship goes. When things go a little pear-shaped, if, there's un, if there is this uh, um, unwavering sense of faithfulness and loyalty, that relationship will come through those things. So, but what's our best picture of faithfulness? It's not necessarily Dave and Julie or some other couple here in this room or online. What's our best picture of faithfulness? You know, as human beings, uh, our, our standard, our gold star standard really is God and the way in which he is related to humanity. And as we keep our eyes on him and as we grow, to, as we, as we mature towards Christ, as we grow up in Christ, then that then does impact our relationships, our earthly relationships, the way in which we relate. And so that's why you then sometimes have these older couples whom you look at and you just think, you know what, when I get old, that's how I hope I cherish my wife. Or that's how I hope I affirm my husband. So, you know, but it only comes with couples whose eyes have been on the benchmark, the gold star of standard, who have been growing up and maturing and all of that. Their lives have been influenced by God's word and they've modeled their lives on God's. What's our best example of faithfulness? Well, it's God himself because he has always been in it for the long term when it comes to relationships. Open up your Bible and look at the way in which God has dealt with humanity from the very beginning. And we know how it's going to finish. God has always been faithful to his creation. And even more so to his own children, to to the nation of Israel, his chosen group of people. He's loved them with this unconditional love. And and even in spite of what Israel, the nation, would do, they'd be in love with him one moment and then they would kind of go off in a completely different direction. And in the book of Hosea, we've got uh, uh, God is described as this faithful husband. Uh, you get a picture of uh, uh, his relationship with Israel. It's portrayed as a husband's persistent love towards an adulterous wife. And this is what uh, uh, God says through the prophet Hosea. In verse 8 of Hosea 11, God says, Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? You get this sense. How could I ever let you go? My heart is torn within me and my compassion, it overflows. 
God wasn't willing to give up on Israel. Completely committed. Faithful. Didn't mean that he allowed them to, that they at times live with the consequences of their choices, but God still loved Israel. And he allowed them to be carried off into captivity, but he brought them back once again. You see this picture in the way in which Christ loved the church, giving his life up for us. And I just wonder today if, as we think about that image, if God wasn't willing to give up on Israel, then maybe we are at our best, we are at our most godly when we find ourselves in the midst of some relational challenges and we determine to faithfully grit our way through them because that's what it takes to have a good marriage. You see, when you say, when I said I do, I was saying, well, I'm going to do it. I'm, that's what that's, I am a one woman man. That's what I'm going to do. And it's a decision. We choose to be faithful to our spouse regardless of whether we feel like doing it because of the decision of the heart to act on that commitment. Marriages need the quality of faithfulness. Here's the second quality. And it's the idea, it's the notion of honour. Now what does honour mean? It's a word, or it's, you have to go fishing around for it a bit in our culture today because you see a lot of dishonoring things. To honor somebody means to show high respect or to esteem them highly. You, you might see it in a courtroom setting. The judge walks in and everybody stands. Uh, and there is a sense of acknowledgement, it's your honor. Now, it's a title, it's been given out to that particular person. You know, this doesn't relate to us so much, but if you were to think uh, of the President of the United States, if the President was to walk into the room, everybody just stands. You, you may not like the person, but you are honoring the office. You, you hold the office in high regard, high respect. You esteem the office of the, the President of the United States of America. And my question to us today is to those of us that are married, do you esteem your spouse? Do you value your spouse? Do you respect him or her as a human being that has been made in the image of God? Here's God's instructions when it comes to our relationships with others. He says in the book of Romans, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Or in the book of Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. What's that mean for marriage? Well, I think it simply means that you and I need to esteem or to value our spouse better than ourselves. That's what it means. Now, to vain or self-indulgent individuals, that sounds awfully archaic, particularly in our popular culture today that says, well, it's not so much about the other person, it's all about me. It's what I want, and I'm going to do that. But this is God's gold star standard for the way in which we relate to our mates. So let me get practical. How how does one demonstrate honour to the person that we love, to the person that we're married to, that we've committed ourselves to? Well, I think there's a bunch of ways. It could be in the giving of some special gifts. Maybe it's listening carefully to that person. It's doing acts of service. 
It's sharing quality time. And it's esteeming the other person through words of affirmation. We know this, but I'm going to just say it to us today. You know, do you know there's nothing that will pump up the tires of our mates more so than us speaking, praising them well or speaking proudly of them? And, and, the, and, and vice versa happens as well too. Uh, we, we see it all around us. And we kind of laugh at it and we think it's funny. But actually, when we think about what God's word says, it's probably not, it's not very funny. Actually, it's quite demeaning. You know, uh, in our popular culture today, it's always about the hopeless husband. And it's the nagging wife. You know, it's the blokes who stand around and go, oh, gee, you won't believe my wife. She's just a nag and she's on about this and that. That's not speaking proudly of your bride, is it? Or the, the opposite way when women just drag down and not esteem the men in their life. You want to have a great, successful marriage? Begin to speak proudly of your spouse. Uh, uh, when, when they actually catch you in public, and you may not be doing this deliberately, but you're kind of just speaking well of them, and they actually hear you speaking of them in that setting, you watch them begin to move into all of that. They're feeling honored, cherished, esteemed, valued in that particular moment that their spouse, the person that said, I do and loves them, thinks this of them. That doesn't mean that you're perfect. But they choose to speak well of you. They are honoring of you. You know, uh, God's word says to us uh, as husbands and wives, in First Peter he says, In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. See, honoring our spouse both inside and outside of the home is a key ingredient of a successful marriage. Can I just remember, if we're married, we've got kids. You want to set them up to succeed? Speak well of one another inside the house or outside of the house. Let them see what it looks like to truly honor one another. Because you're now setting them up to have great marriages as well too. Because if you don't, they're going to carry that stuff as family of origin into their relationship as well too. And it could become incredibly toxic. So if you want a healthy marriage, be faithful to your spouse. That's a given. Just tick that one. Work on that one. Make sure that you honor your spouse. And third, last but not least, be patient with your mates. You know, uh, it can be a challenge. Look, let's be honest. You know, when we make a decision to say, I do, and we marry our lives to that other person, you know, in that moment, we don't care that they do these weird things. In fact, we think it's kind of quirky and we love it and it's adorable and we think, oh, isn't that funny? They snort when they laugh or whatever it might be. You know, at 20, 30, 40 years down the track, we think, you know what? Why are you snorting when you laugh? You know, you know, and we become irritated by some of those things. You know all the things. I'm, I've, got, I've got heads nodding all over the place and I'm sure I do right there online as well too. You know, what happens is that we... When we're in love in those early days, the things that just start to irritate us after a while. It's just part of being human. It's part of our humanity. It is part of our brokenness as well too that sometimes we don't begin to respond well to those different things. You know, we have to learn to work our way through those things and to be patient in all those matters. You know, uh, God's word in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You know, let me just take a moment and honour my wife who's here in this room uh, and say that over the last uh, six to eight months, she has been incredibly patient with me. 
you know, as we've kind of come in and out of several different, I don't know how many lockdowns now we've been in, but she's been impatient with me. But I do remember somewhere in the midst of the second lockdown, we had one of those kind of those honey, we need to talk kind of conversations. And uh, she said, you know, I, I love the fact that you're around, but I'm not quite uh, used to the fact that you are so present or you're around the house as much as you used to be. And so I'm kind of adjusting to some of this as well, too. But there is something that you are doing that's becoming a little bit annoying. And I do need to tell you about it. So I'm kind of all ears because, you know, I kind of see myself as a snag, a sensitive new age kind of guy that, you know what, I'm kind of the model husband and so I'm kind of happy to work on all kinds of things. And she said, you know what, you know, over the last couple of months you've kind of been walking in and out of our study and you kind of, it's not like it's on the hour. You're a bit anal about these things and you will walk out of the study and you'll come and find me, maybe you're just getting a cup of coffee and you'll say to me, hey, what are you up to? And I said, well, what's the problem with that? She says, well, you know, it was cute the first couple of times. But you know, uh, now that we've been locked down and you just have a way of coming out several times a day on the hour asking me, honey, what are you up to? She says, it's starting to really push my buttons right now because... You know, the second time of the day, well, I was pretty much doing the same thing you asked me when you came the first time, but when it comes to like the sixth, the seventh, and the eighth time, and you're still asking the question, it's a week later, and it's a month later, you've got to stop it. You see, we all have these moments, don't we? Where our buttons just get pushed on different things, and we have to learn to be able to work our way through those moments. Otherwise, I've seen it all around me. Relationships that kind of get that 25 years down the track and the kids aren't around anymore and couples just go, you know what, don't love you anymore. Actually, don't like who you are. Well, you did 25 years ago when you got married. In fact, you loved each other. You were smitten. You couldn't wait to get off on your honeymoon. You were so excited about being together. But 25 years later, you don't want to be together? What is up with that? Well, what it is is that the stuff in our lives that we actually haven't either talked about or dealt with or kind of worked our way through that. We haven't learned to fight fairly along the way as well. We've bottled stuff up and as a result things just become toxic and then they explode. See, learning to argue well and then bring a swift, peaceful resolution I think puts us in a good stead then for a lifetime of married life. So what's the application? Let me wrap all of this up. Can I talk to maybe those in this room that are single or are single once again or maybe you're online as well too and what's this mean for you? I think this has got so much for you today. See, I want to encourage you to make it your goal to keep growing up in Christ so that if and when you choose to get married, your marriage is going to have a solid foundation from the very beginning. See, that's your responsibility. If you're a teenager here in this room, a young adult or someone who's an older adult and you are looking to want to get married, can I encourage you to keep working on those key qualities of faithfulness, of honor and patience in everything that you do? Because the minute that you then step into that marriage relationship, it's like you've got this foundation that's built on Christ. Your identity is strong in Christ and you've been working on these qualities and that just sets you up to succeed and to fly and flourish in this new marriage relationship. It's the way it works. So as a single, can I encourage you today? I want to urge you. Wherever you might be, can I urge you that when it comes to marriage, that you're doing everything you can to encourage and to support the marriages that are around you. That's what you can do. Help your married friends to see the best in each other. 
And maybe some of that's just some gentle nudges at different times to say, hey, come on, you know, you can do this. Champion their marriage. Don't just kind of buy into the, the kind of the myth that, oh, well, maybe it's just not going to work for you. Champion their marriage because everyone is better when marriages in our community are flourishing and healthy. That's what we get to bring to that as single individuals. Or to those of us that are maybe married or soon to be married. I've got a few things to say to you guys. See, first of all, I want people, maybe here in this room, and people that are online, whether you've been married for a short time or a long time, we need to be reminded about this, that marriage requires work, efforts, and continual nourishment if it's going to be successful. And you know what? It doesn't just happen overnight. See, it means giving all that we can to the God-given responsibilities that we've been given if our marriage is going to see the distance over a long period of time. See, God says this uh, to husbands in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. He says, men, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Fellas, the onus is on us today. The bigger responsibility is for those of us in this room that are married. If you're online, if you are married, the responsibility sits squarely with each and every one of us to make sure that we are fostering an environment that's going to allow our families to grow and our wives to thrive. It sits solely with us. That's where it sits. See, God says we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. What, what was that kind of love? It was sacrificial. Christ gave up his life for the church. He, he gave it all away for his bride. Men, you want to have a marriage that succeeds and goes the distance? You want to be a dynamic duo that, uh, uh, and a relationship, in a relationship that's harmonious and happy? doesn't mean to be perfect. Men, it means that we're going to love our wives like Christ loved the church. And the greatest responsibility is on us. But ladies, there's also a responsibility for you as well too, for wives. God's word also says to us, to the wives, he says, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to. That word submit, we don't like, do we? Our culture hates that. That word submit simply means to yield or to be devoted to. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Men, can I just say that if we're doing our job properly, our wives will have no problem at all in the sense of wanting to yield to or to be devoted to you, if we are loving our wives selflessly, putting them first, honouring them, esteeming them, loving them with a sacrificial love, they are going to want to rise in a sense of being devoted to or yielding their lives to us because they know that we've got their best interests at stake. You see, whether we are wives or husbands, we've all got a responsibility a God-given responsibility when it comes to bringing out the best in each other and helping to make our marriages work. That's the first thing I want to say to those of us that are married. Here's the second thing. Do you know what? Let's not be surprised when obstacles come our way. It's just part of life. We live in a broken world. There's going to be stuff that comes up at different times. And so when that happens, let's not just think like the wheels have fallen off or our marriage is finished. A crisis does not mean our marriage is done. It just means it needs some work. And you know, one of the best ways I think we can often improve 
the situations or even save our marriage is to say, you know what, I'm going to change myself. One of the things that I've learned over the years, being married for 27 years, is that changing my spouse is like trying to push a rope. Doesn't work very well. But you know what? If I'm committed to working on myself and bringing the best version of myself into my marriage relationship, then I'm going to go a long way to being a great influence on my mates. But you know what? We don't do this in our own strength. The Word of God says, Paul says to us, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, God's got a part. The Spirit of God's doing a part in our lives as we are looking to Him. Uh, He is enabling us to to love our wives or to love our husbands uh, in a way that's appropriate. We're doing what we need to do. And last but not least, in terms of those, I speak to those who are married or soon to be married. Do not give in to this myth that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. I know that's what Hollywood, it's what popular culture will will throw at us. Uh, It looks nice. That when the going gets tough, you think, you know what, do I really want to hang in here with all of this because this is just really hard work? Can I tell you, spouses, couples that have been together, that have stood there for the test of time, that have got good, healthy, harmonious, uh, vibrant marriage relationships. You know, not all couples that have been together for 50, 60, 70 years have got happy, harmonious relationships. They're kind of stuck together, but they could be uh, unhappily stuck together. But for those that we look at and we go, you know what, there is a benchmark. That's what I want to aspire for. Do you know what they've learned? The grass is always greener where it's watered. And they have worked with all that they could possibly do to make sure the marriage could be the best it could be possibly be. So what's that mean for us now? What's an action step? What's something that maybe we take from here? Because if we hear that and we don't do anything with it, then we've been hearers of the word, not doers of the word, and we get a great rebuke for that. You see, some of us are single. Some of us are going to be married. Some of us are divorced and we're wanting to be married. Some of us have remarried. There's all the different dynamics uh, that might sit in this room and sitting online today. What, what, what is God's word saying to us today? Well, maybe I want to leave this with you some, some action steps that maybe uh, will hit, help you think through what you're going to do. See, for maybe for some of us, there's a certain quality that I've mentioned today, faithfulness, honor, or even patience. And you know, you know what? I actually need to work on that. That's my take home. I'm actually going to name that with my spouse or I'm going to find somebody else and I'm going to name that's what I'm working on today. Or maybe it's a decision today because you are just hanging on by a thread with your marriage and you want to walk away because you've been beaten up and it just seems like it's just too hard. Can I encourage you to keep hanging in there and showing up with your mate and doing everything that you possibly can to make your marriage work? And if that's you today... It's actually okay to say, I'm struggling and I need some help. Name it. You know, the moment that we actually shove this stuff down or we try and hide what's going on in our relationships and we are not real about it, the enemy is winning. And marriages are being pulled apart. I don't know where it ever was in our church where we said we've got to turn up at a weekend service or at an event throughout the week and we've got to look like we've got it all together. We've just brought the lie of the, of the devil into our lives and we start living like that. 
We're meant to do life with one another, not on our own. And if things aren't working in our marriage relationship, then we need to find someone else or we need to find a counsellor, somebody that can help us work these things through. And, and we make a decision. I made a decision to faithfully glue myself together. And so I'm going to stick at this. I'm going to keep towing up. I'm going to do what I can do. Now I realise that for some of us, you've done that and it still hasn't worked. And my heart breaks for you in those particular situations as well too. And God's grace covers all of those things. It's a conversation for another day, not today. Or maybe today it's a decision to change your attitude. And to say, you know what? I've got to start bringing the best version of who I am into this relationship. I realize maybe that my spouse is struggling and I don't like who they are or who they've become. Do you know what? I made a decision to love this person. I'm going to change my attitude. Well, maybe it's a decision today to humble yourself. This is where it gets hard. And maybe you realize that there's been certain actions that you've been engaging in that's not been helpful to your relationship. I'm going to name this. For some of us fellas, our wives have no longer become the standard of our beauty and so we begin to look in other places. That is not the standard of beauty. Some of us might be struggling with porn. It's got to stop. Our wives have to be our standard of beauty. Not something that we see in a magazine that's been airbrushed. That's just fake. Our wives. Or ladies, we've got a part to play as well too. You know, sometimes when we're not happy with our mates, we begin to kind of push over into other stuff. Maybe it's the romantic novel that we escape into that we just think, oh gee, I wish my, my marriage was just like this. That doesn't help. And so maybe for some of us today, we actually need to find somebody. Maybe it's confessing that to our spouse or if the issue is too hot, maybe it's finding somebody else that's going to walk with you on that journey as well too. Because the decision to make that today is the decision to say, you know what, I'm going to save this marriage. And it's going to be a marriage to the glory of God. He's going to get the price. See, what step do you need to take today? Or steps. We can all do something today. I can do something. What's the step that you've got to take today? See, we've been created for relationship. God created us to be in relationship with one another and for our relationships to thrive. And when we bring the best version of who we are into those relationships because of our identity in Christ, that does set us up to then have a marriage that gives it every chance of succeeding. And so I want us for just a moment as our team begins to come out, I want us to imagine what it might look like in our marriage if we were committed to bringing the best versions of ourselves into every moment of our marriage. Imagine what they might do. Or imagine what they might do for our families and for the next generations that are going to follow as well. And just imagine what might happen in our community If in our church community, we model what it looked like to be faithful, to be honoring, and to be patient of one another. And you know, we weren't, we're being real. 
We, you know, we weren't just saying, oh, we've got a perfect marriage. But imagine if we were willing to, to uh, lean into that with all that we have got in this next season, with wherever we might find ourselves in our marriage. Imagine what that might speak into the lives of those that are around us. It's not just our kids or our grandkids, but our neighbours and our broader community. They look on and they say, how are you able to do this? How can you be 27 years still married and, or 30 or 40 and you're still married? You know, uh, if you find yourself in the situation where maybe you're coming to a second marriage, you learn some stuff along the way as well too. You know what? Bring the best person, the best version of who you are now into this relationship and set it up to succeed. To the glory of God. We follow, we worship a gracious God. We really do. And for where we feel today, we might have blown it and we wish that we could change all that. You know, you can't undo something that's been broken. But you can move forward and say, you know what? I'm making choices today that are going to impact the relationship that I'm in now and my children and my grandchildren, people around me because I am choosing today to model faithfulness, what it looks like to honour and to be patient. Would you pray with me? Father, we would be great fakes if we tried to say, look, we've got this all together. Because we know we don't. We look around us and our culture is spiraling out of control. Marriage is now just a mockery. For some of us, we know we, we live in with the reality of all of that in our own lives. Maybe we've experienced it firsthand. Or we're seeing loved ones around us that are walking through some of that and that's just breaking our heart as well too. Father, for those who are yet to be married, Lord, would you, maybe there'd be some words today they've heard that will set them up to flourish as they move in those directions. For others of us who find ourselves in the trenches and it just seems hard work. God, thank you that you tell us, you remind us that We aren't called to do this on our own. And that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Father, my prayer is that out of today and out of this church, Lord, I want to pray a blessing on marriages. Father, for those marriages that are struggling, Lord, I pray that as spouses gather together, as they make decisions to hang in, Lord, as the tide rises, Lord, I pray that marriages in the life of the Bendigo Baptist Church express wherever it might be, at Eagle Hawk, at Juniton, in our our community care hub right across the city, that marriages would be thriving. And that, God, you give us an opportunity, Lord, that as we speak to marriage, as we speak to the value of marriage, as we share with others around us, that, God, we would be influential. And that our lives would be on display in a really good way of what it looks like to stick together throughout every season of our lives. Lord, bless us, we pray. Bless our marriages. Bless our children. 
Lord, to every generation. Lord, Father, we pray that your hand would continue to lead us as a church and our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen.